Hello and welcome to the Future Family Podcast, a podcast that was created just so we could talk about faith-based things without a small group leader telling us to get back on track. I'm Blake. I'm Tanner. And I'm Cody. And ladies and gentlemen, today we are joined by the indomitable human Swiss army knife, Aaron Hicks-Moon. Aaron is the senior creative of the Popcast Media Group, who you may remember from episode 30, and the resident Bible scholar of the Bible Binge podcast. On top of this, she's written devotionals, Advent guides, and Lenten guides. Um, So we've invited her on the show today to talk about liturgy. That's right. Cody and Tanner's favorite subject, Aaron. Thank you so much for indulging our dorky ambitions. Um, Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Now, was this sarcastic? Is it not actually Cody and Tanner's favorite subject? We do actually love it like a lot. You do love it. Okay, good. I wanted to know like what kind of battle gear I need to put on to convince you otherwise. (laughs) But now I'm glad that we're on the same page. Yeah, you're Blake absolutely is good. just like, what is liturgy? So I'm just up for the ride. <laughs> no, Blake is like, we do liturgy at Church of the Highlands. Shut up. He says it all the time. <laughs> yes, I do go to sexy church also. You go to sexy just, church. Yeah. That's so fun. Listen, oh, one yeah. day one day y'all will change that sign outside and it will be because of me because I started calling it sexy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you started. I didn't know that. I just that is me. It. Yes. No, that's Jamie awesome. was like, I'm going. And I was like, listen, everyone I know that goes to Church of the Highlands, at least everyone that's on stage yeah. is hot. So it's sexy church to me. They turn the lights down. There's like a good yeah. warm glow on everyone. Mm-hmm. It's, it's hot. Yeah, that's, oh, that's good. And now, yeah, we probably yeah. we probably should have mentioned our, our backgrounds. Like Blake is uh, Blake goes to sexy church, of course. Okay. Um, Tanner is uh, going to a Southern Baptist church, but is like, would you say like liturgy curious would be like the best? Oh, I like that. Um, I don't know if I like that term, but yeah, I like how. <laughs> Southern Baptist term no, to use, but like I am ready to like literally join Anglican Church right now. Come on, come on, Tanner. <laughs> and I go to a uh, Presbyterian church. Okay, all right. So we got a good mix here. We got a nice little mix here. Absolutely. Um, so, Aaron, is there anything else you'd like the people to to know about you that we didn't cover in the intro? Oh no, you did a very thorough job. <laughs> all right, very rad. excellent job. Rad. Um, so this episode is going to kind of be in two parts. We're going to talk about liturgy in the church and liturgy outside of the church. But before we, uh, kind of dive into both of those, both of those areas, I think we should probably define uh, liturgy for some of our listeners who might be outside. Uh, when I looked it up online, it essentially was just a pattern of public worship. So that could be like your order of service in your everyday Southern Baptist church, to something as complex as like Catholic mass. Um, but when we talk about liturgical churches, um, Aaron, do you think you could kind of give us like, what do we mean by that? Yeah. So for me, like I like to describe myself as a, I have like an Anglican heart with a social justice Catholic soul in a Southern Baptist body. So like, like really leaning into the fellowship hall aspect of Southern Baptist. But I think for like liturgical churches, what we're really talking about is we're talking about churches that adhere to like a planned liturgy. So whereas growing up when I was Southern Baptist, you know, it would be like the pastor and the worship team, they're going to decide, um, they're going to decide the prayers. They're going to decide uh, the scripture text for the week. That's not how it works in a liter- in a liturgical church. You're going to follow the whatever book of common prayer, whatever church calendar your particular denomination adheres to. You're going to pray this particular prayer 
uh, in this particular order that has been around since the 1500s uh, mm. with small tweaks to language. You, like, you're not going to have a deacon just come up and be like, Lord, we need to pray for, uh, you know, our sisters and brothers in Christ. It's just, it's more, it's more planned, thought out. And that, that is, that has positive and negative connotations to it for mm. sure. But it's going to be a more planned service. In, in the church, that's what I think we're talking about when we're talking about liturgical churches. Sure. And could we even like broad that out? Because I think some people may just think of that just as like during Sunday morning service. But also I think oh, yeah. would church calendar be thrown into that as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. So you're talking about you're you're on a you're on a system, you know, like when when I in my denomination, Anglican, we use the Book of Common Prayer. And so it's, we're all reading the same scripture every day. We're all, you know, moving, you know, there's a church in New York that is in my denomination. They're going to be listening to a sermon on the same three scriptures. They're going to be reading the same three scriptures out loud every day, you know, and so you're going to all go through Lent together. You're going to all go through Advent together. You're all, it's kind of this more communal aspect as opposed to, I'm just doing my own thing in my own church. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that I think like struck me, and we'll we'll talk about this more in like the next segment. The thing that I think struck me moving from Southern Baptist to Presbyterian is when you go to like a more liturgical church service, um, it, it it's not only just like more more like um, structured and everything, but it's also more um, there's more like uh, interaction between. Uh, what's happening on stage and the congregants. Mm. There's more like, uh, there's more reciting, there's more reading. Um, it's a very like involved process. The whole it's very time. involved. It's very physical. Honestly, mm. you're standing up, you're sitting down, you're kneeling, you're walking up to the front, you're walking back to your seat, you're going over to the prayer corner to get prayed for. You know, it's a very like, I, I like that. It's very tactile. And so it's, it's more engaging for my kids. It's more engaging for me. I will frequently fall asleep in my parents' church uh, just because we're still for so long. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, that's, I like that about it. It's very physical. Cool. Awesome. And so that's uh, that's going to kind of move us into uh, the first little segment. So we're going to talk about liturgy specifically just in the church building. So within the the walls of the church or if in the post-COVID times on your television when you're at home. Right. But, also when <laughs> yeah. uh, but we're just we're hoping that everyone will listen to this one day when we're all vaccinated and good. So oh, can't wait <laughs> one day. <laughs> so, uh, Aaron, uh, you talked a lot about on uh, Jamie Ivey's podcast. The happy hour. So you talked on the happy hour uh, kind of at length about transitioning from the SBC church to the Anglican church um, and some of like your reasons for doing that. And we will be sure to link that um, that podcast episode. Um, but could you kind of give us the um, the elevator overview of your transition from the SBC church to the Anglican church? Yeah, so I grew up Southern Baptist. I was like a deep fried Twinkie Southern Baptist situation, like, you know, uh, GAs, VBS, uh, church camp, the whole shebang. And I loved it. I had a great experience. I know that not a lot of people have had that kind of experience, but it's very precious to me. I still talk to my pastor that was my pastor who baptized me when I was six. Like we have conversations. We talk on the phone a lot. I, I felt very loved and very well cared for and had a great foundation of faith there. And so, again, I know that that's not always the case for people, but I, I do want to like prop up a good example of growing up evangelical sometimes. Yeah. So um, I 
But as I as I started to get older and I was working for a camp organization in production, and so I was doing a lot of um, you know, producing worship services, kind of creating worship services and worship experiences. And I just saw a lot of how the sausage got made. And while that's not necessarily bad, it's also not necessarily good. And it became really difficult for me to attend a church that was similar in tone to what I was doing at work. Because, you know, you're, you're at work, you're worried about are they missing a lighting cue? Are they, you know, were they, did they miss that video cue? And then you translate that same environment to try and have a worship experience. That's very distracting. And so I really wanted to find a place where I could, I, it was almost like a different part of my brain was working. And I've always been drawn to a more liturgical faith. I, you know, a, a boy dumped me in high school to be a Catholic priest, but I really kind of fell in love with, with the whole thing there. Um, he's not a priest, but um, he's a great guy, but it just didn't work out. But anyway, um, but I've always really loved that. And so we had a friend um, who suggested this church to us and immediately it's a tiny church. And I just immediately thought, yeah, this is exactly how my brain chemistry like thrives in worship and in community. And I was like, boy, I really hope my husband wants to go here too, because I would hate for us to have to go to different churches because I'm going to this one. And so, um, but it turns out he really loved it too. And uh, we've been there for about uh, over 11 years now. And so it was just a very, I just felt a connection with what, you know, you're, you're speaking words that have been, that were written by, you know, Thomas Cramner in the 1500s when Henry VIII decided that he wanted to marry Anne Boleyn. You know, it's just, it's wild. And, you know, you just, when I'm in the building or even online right now, saying those words and reading those scriptures in a way that's reverent and um, it just has like a weight to it that I really, really, it's almost like a weighted blanket kind of a feeling. It just feels like you feel like kind of the presence of the saints that have gone before you. You know, you're going to be in this cloud of witnesses that's going to, you know, come for your children later when they are saying the words and you're gone. It's just very holy to me. And it's very, it's very comforting to know that there's this tradition and reasoning behind the things, why we do the things we do. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I see like that's the probably not like a really short answer. It's probably not what you wanted exactly, but no, that's good. I was just noting that I, I just saw the, the spark in Tanner's eyes on my, on my computer screen. It was like, it was like joy from inside out in his brain. Yeah. Like, Tanner, come on. <laughs> cool. Uh, so Aaron, I was wondering like for, um, for, for those of us who like have never been to uh, like, a liturgical service, but namely like an Anglican service. Um, could you provide us like a window into uh, okay. what the typical Anglican church service looks like? And I'm wondering if you can also like, as you're kind of describing this, just highlight some specific parts that you like really love. 
Oh, I would love to. So, um, you know, when we walk in to the service there, it's, it does feel like there are some more Catholic elements to it. We've got the holy water basin when you walk in and it's, it's, it's a reverent situation. Like our, our priest asks us to like, Hey, I would love it. If you want to talk, that's great. I'm here for that. Can you do it in the lobby so that if people are praying inside before the service, like, let's just keep it chill so that they're able to do that. Um, we have a processional that comes in. So, uh, the cross is carried in, the gospel is carried in. Um, we, we cross ourselves in, uh, Anglican tradition. Not all Anglicans will do that. And we don't all do it the same way. Um, but all of those elements are carried in and um, the whoever is the scripture reader, we have people will read a selection from the Old Testament, from the New Testament, and then a selection from the Gospels. And those are all within the church calendar and the way that they have placed those scriptures within the within the year or the two year cycle. And so then, you know, we're singing songs and it's not like we're all singing like hymns or whatever. And it's different for every Anglican service. Like some of them are more modern worship songs. Some are more traditional. We have a pretty simple, we're a smaller church. So we have a pretty simple worship service. Um, we have a, a program that is pretty much every word of and all the directions that you need, which is very helpful. We have one service every year called the Instructed Eucharist. And it's basically just like, hey, I'm going to walk you through why we're doing everything we're doing. You want to know about these robes we wear? I'm going to tell you about them. You want to know why we're reading this particular scripture? I'm going to tell you. You know why we kneel? Here's why we do it. And it's very helpful. I always go... When people ask me about like, hey, I'm really nervous about going to one of these services. I've never done it before. Like, first of all, they tell you everything in the book. So don't worry about it. And then also try to find an instructed Eucharist service because it is very helpful to know the reasoning. It's not just an empty routine. It, there's a reason behind the doing it. And I think I think when we keep the heart of the reason and we're still actively engaged, it, it keeps that from becoming more of a routine. So Anyway, sorry, I got off topic. But then um, then we're going to have, uh, you know, when when the gospel is read, they take the big red book and it's got gold on it and it's big and they bring it down the center aisle and we all turn to look at the gospel, make sure we don't turn our backs to the gospel. And they will, you know, all right, a reading from the book of Matthew, you know. Thanks be to God. We're, you know, we're talking back and forth and then they read the sermon, they read the gospel and then they bring it back up to the front and we all turn and watch it walk. And, um, and so, and then, you know, our, what I really, what is really great about a more Anglican service is I don't think I've ever heard a sermon that was over 45 minutes. And I would probably say, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon over 30 minutes. It's really great that way, um, <laughs> which is really nice. And so, you know, then at the end, we're doing communion. We're going uh, forward to take communion and we're getting blessed. If you don't want to take communion in that context, I remember taking my grandparents who are very Southern Baptist to the church uh, service one time. And the, my grandfather was like, I do not want I just want him to give me my wafer and, and my grape juice. He was very upset that it was wine. He was very confused. But, um, you know, we in a, my church, we kneel. We use the kneelers. We have a kneeling bench up at the front. So you are handed the elements. You um, you can dip. You can take the cup. Nobody's taking the cup or dipping or getting the elements right now because of COVID. But um, and then you go back to your seat 
you're there. I mean, it's, it's, it's similar to a lot of the services that everyone has. There's just different elements to it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm trying to think if we do anything else that's weird. I, I have a few follow-up questions. Yes. I, I'm Tanner, ready. Cody, I, do y'all know what, uh, you, Aaron, you said cross, we, we cross ourselves. Mm-hmm. We just gla- glossed over that. Like, <laughs> am I the only one that doesn't know what that means? That's just making the symbol of the cross. Oh, like, oh okay. Yeah, sorry. That's, that's, no, that's what it was. Basketball ring, Blake. You know, there anytime we talk about, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we are crossing ourselves. And then especially when we read the gospels, we do we do a smaller cross on our forehead, a smaller cross on our heart, and then a smaller cross over our lips. And that's just I think that is just what I like about some of these rituals and some of these routines is that it kind of it kind of like clicks in for me a different kind of lens where I'm paying more attention to what I'm doing mm-hmm. because it's active because it's more tactile I, it I, and I know that's not for everyone and I respect mm-hmm. that but it is very helpful for me mm-hmm. personally so also you said we do sing modern worship are we talking like 2000s Chris Tomlin are we talking 2020 I mean, Hillsong? Like, like how how no, modern? No, I think it. Well, and I think it depends on your church. For us personally, I don't know if anyone in my church knows about Hillsong. Maybe like two people know about Hillsong. So um, uh, we're. It's more like. Um, it's more like I would say. I would say we're we're brushing up against the the two thousands. Like we're we're not quite we're not quite into the depths of twenty twenty one yet. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know at the, I at the Presbyterian Church, it is, uh, what is her name? Is it uh, Sandra, Sandra McCracken? It's oh, like yeah, I love Sandra McCracken. Eight billion Sandra McCracken songs. I do, I do, <laughs> I do music great. at our church. She's great. She's really good. But I, I, like she one is. day uh, I was doing music for us and like it was just three Sandra McCracken songs in a row. Just back to That's back to great. back. I love it. Blake, did you have any more any more follow up <laughs> questions? Um. Can I wear my skinny jeans to this? Oh shirt? yeah! Oh, absolutely. I didn't know if it was like and do uh, you mentioned robes that is yes, priests priest wear the robes or yes, y'all our also? clergy and deacons. So deacons mean a different thing than they would in like a Southern Baptist mm-hmm. context, but um, they're wearing more uh, like like a winter Jesus robe, I would say, with like a belt and like a rope belt. And then if you are clergy, you're wearing, so every season on the church calendar, like for instance, Advent, we just had Advent, Advent's color is purple. So the the table that where the elements of the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Supper, see, I still call it the Lord's Supper, where communion is set out um, is uh, there's a purple tablecloth. Your vestments, which are like the vests that go over your robes, they've got purple elements to them. When you're you know, in Easter, you get a different color. In Pentecost, you've got a different color. So all of those kind of change out. And and our priests wear collars when they're out and about, just hanging out. Um, so, yes, but but you can wear whatever you want. They don't really yeah. care. So. Um, man, I have so many questions. Another follow-up so question. Uh, <clears throat> when you take communion, you said you grab the bread, dip it. So you're in, hand- in grape yeah. juice or wine? 
Great question. So <laughs> you are actually in my church, and it's again, it's different for in other uh-huh. Anglican churches. You're handed the the wafer, and then so he's going to move down the kneeling bench, and he's going to hand you the wafer. He's going to bless it. He's going to like say the words to you, Aaron, my sister. You know, here is the body of Christ shed for you. Um, and then you can either hold it or you can go ahead and eat it. If you hold it, you can dip into a communal wine cup. I know this grosses so many people out. You can either dip into the communal wine cup or you can take a sip and drink from the communal wine cup. The one, the thing that I was wondering, um, and Aaron, I think you you might've already covered this. Let me know if you did. Um, but you mentioned that like, as far as like different scripture readings go, um, that those are kind of like congruent throughout like the whole Anglican, like nationwide church. Um, yeah, depending on your uh, like particular denomination. Right. Are the sermons kind of the same way? Are they all kind of like following or are they just pastor's choice? They are a pastor's choice. Like technically, I think, and I could be wrong about this. This is what I glean um, that, hey, here are the scriptures for this Sunday. There's an Old Testament scripture, a New Testament scripture. Sometimes there's a psalm and a gospel reading. You get like choose your own adventure between those. Right. So, right. um if you if you're like, hey, we're in Leviticus, and that is sometimes tough, uh, you can go to the gospel reading if you want. It's just mm-hmm. you're you're picking from a, a predetermined array. Okay, word, cool, yeah. awesome. Okay, so uh, dear listeners out there, um, if you have not been convinced to join a liturgical church like an Anglican church, you should be. I'm just kidding. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> we're now going to move into the segment of liturgy outside of the church. So if you perhaps want to dip your toe into liturgy or taste a little appetizer of liturgy. Um, <laughs> and a moose-bouche. And a moose-bouche. Uh, this would be, be the segment for you. You can get a little wafer of liturgy. Um, so I guess just kind of the opening, opening question for this. Um, when we talk about liturgy outside of the church. What are some of the things that we're talking about? I know we mentioned them earlier in the episode, but just for like a refresher. Yeah, I think, listen, I I think when I was growing up, Southern Baptist, we had a quiet time, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of this is just semantics. In my quiet, you know, in my quiet time, I had, I think, like an acrostic that was like, you know, you want to, you want to, you want to pray, you want to read scripture, you want to think about scripture, you want to, you know, close with some sort of other prayer. Mm -hmm. So I think they're like, it's technically the same thing, right? It's just, hey, we don't want to call it that because we feel like that's kind of papist and that makes us nervous. Mm. So I think that uh, there, you know, there are tons of personal liturgies, personal routines that can guide us in that way. If that's not the way you want to communally worship, but you do want to privately worship that way. Mm-hmm. Sure. Totally. So what are some like uh, some outlets that we can pursue to kind of maybe add some more like structure, some more liturgization to our personal lives with Jesus? I think like, I think praying the hours is a great thing. Mm -hmm. Like that is um, just this, this kind of routine where you are waking up, you're praying something in the morning, you're praying something at noon, you're praying something in, you know, midday or evening. Mm -hmm. And maybe you're not doing all of those, but maybe you're doing some of them. And it's just that, it's just that routine. It's, it's that idea of kind of pray without ceasing. Mm -hmm. It's just, Hey, how can I 
pay more attention to what's happening during my day. Whereas instead of confining God to a block on Sunday and also Wednesday night. And it's just, it's just letting that kind of seep in, I think. And so, you know, devotionals that there are lots of options there. You know, there are lots of, you know, our church does like a Wednesday morning prayer service and then a Wednesday afternoon prayer service. And I think it's just getting in that routine of paying more attention to what's happening and how God is moving in your life as opposed, you know, during the day. I, and that's, that's, I think that's why I connect so much with, with that kind of liturgy, that kind of personal liturgy is because I can live my entire day without emotionally interacting with anyone. And also with like, just checking boxes, just, I got to get my stuff done. Like we got to get it done. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, huh, I have not, I have not like enriched my soul in any way. I have not, I've not like looked to see what God is trying to speak to me in any way. It's just very, it's all very, you know, just close up, close that section of my mind off. Whereas when I set timers on my phone, because that's how I have to do it. It's like, Hey, go do, do the hours. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, and it's, fa- it's fast. It's not, it's just a, like, it's just like a reconnection point. It's just like finagling the wires so that your connection doesn't come out. Mm-hmm. Totally. I said, we've talked about um, daily offices before on here, I think. You yes. say, Nathan, your pastor suggested it. Yep. When I was in uh, premarital counseling, I told Nathan, I was like, the one thing I think that I've like struggled with that I want to get better at going into marriage is um, like having a, uh, a like frequent time that I'm actually like uh, getting into the work and doing stuff because I'm so bogged down with like work and hobbies and all that kind of thing extracurriculars and whatnot. And the very first thing that he suggested was um, like uh, he called it daily offices, but it's essentially just praying the hours as he was like, mm-hmm. I set a timer morning, afternoon and evening and uh, go through. I've got the, I use the Tim Keller Psalm devotional for, for mine a lot of times. Um, but yeah, I think that's, uh, I, I have by no means been good at it. Um, oh no! I mean, who is good at it? Oh, Probably no. like the Pope is maybe the only one. <laughs> Absolutely, but like the thing that he uh, that he really encouraged me with, even if you do uh, like one or two a day, it's cool. Just keep going. Just keep trying to do it, um, and that like has for sure helped me out a bunch. Yeah, I think we get into that. I think there is that like, if you're not going to do it, if you're not going to like carry strug this and just nail the stick the landing every time, like, what's the point in doing it? You know, this comes up a lot when I talk about Lent in that, well, I fail at Lent on the 10th day. Well, okay, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Get back on the horse. Like there's Mm -hmm. still more, there's still more here. We can't just, we can't just say, well, I, I I blew it. I I guess that's it for me. No, like we can't, there is more to learn. And and there is also, there is stuff to learn in the failure of it. And Mm -hmm. what can we learn by quitting or messing up or not even messing up, just not being able to get to it for the day or whatever. What can we learn within that about our relationship with God that we wouldn't have known if we just like said, oh, forget it, I guess, I guess it doesn't matter anymore. Sure. Aaron, do you follow like a specific like book of common prayer? Do you carry that around? Or have, I, like, use, app? I use um, the hours by Phyllis Tickle. <laughs> I love Sister Tickle. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> 
So that's the one I really like to use. And she has, she has them in seasons and then she'll do like Christmas tide or Easter tide. Like she'll have like certain ones for different, but those are, and, and again, I'm not perfect at it. In fact, I think the, uh, I think the winter season one at, maybe has never been used. <laughs> so I don't know what that's about, but uh, I think that it's very like, it's just that, it's just that routine. And as long as I'm keeping my heart in check and asking God to like keep my heart in check with those things, routine, I don't think is bad. Mm -hmm. It it starts to become bad when you remove your heart from it. Yeah. I did uh, downloaded uh, uh, through the Anglican Compass. They have like the free, they give a free guide, I guess, every quarter. Uh, mm -hmm. Daily offices. Um, so, if like a listener wanted to use that, and then a little book, uh, "Seeking God's Face," that I've had for about two years, is I think mm -hmm. would be like a pretty good intro for people that maybe come from like a non-liturgical uh, or background. Um, it's it can be used kind of like praying the hours. It's got about what five things to read a day: a Psalm, Old Testament, New Testament, prayer. Oh, yeah, that's great. Uh, and the the last prayer for each day is based on either one of the confessions or catechisms or stuff like that um, that you can you know, read along with. So I like the part of liturgy that we talked about earlier about getting to pray the same prayers um, that saints before us have is something that like when I'm reading through them or just looking at the confession that it's um, referring to or the creed that's referring to that it, it really like you mentioned earlier, the this it feels really good to be a part of something bigger. It feels than bigger than you. Yeah, yeah. If it's it's genuinely a blessing mm -hmm. because I think about all the people who have walked the same problems or issues or situations that I have had, and they have leaned on these particular words in the same way that I am doing now. And it's just like you just go, "This is what the great cloud of witnesses is mm -hmm. like." This, this is this is what we can hold on to before we get to the new creation at some point. Yeah. yeah. And we get out of that, that I think C.S. Lewis calls it like chronological snobbery. We get out of like the, everybody yes. around us knows a lot more than those guys back then. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah. One thing I was thinking, so I'm non-denying come from a more charismatic leaning. And I was thinking charismatic, like hate the formula or the structure, but I was thinking, that might be so there's so many fringe like charismatics who are trying to like get the next new thing the next move of the spirit or the next like revelation from god and i'm like maybe if there was a little more structure in a charismatic's life then there's more room for the holy spirit to move within that structure and they're not like reaching for some random like wild vision or something really really crazy that's not even biblical or scriptural well, I think that happens a lot with creative people too, right? Like, like if someone's like, make me an art and I'm like, where do I, st I don't even know where to start with that. But if someone's like, write me a story. Okay. I can do that because I have the guardrails necessary to explore within the confines. Yeah. And so that's what I, and, and I know that that sounds, it could sound oppressive and also gross to someone who's like, no, like, I just want the spirit to move me. And it's like, well, I do too. But I also, I also really relish those guardrails so that I can, I can move within them. I can seek within them. And I think that that's honestly pretty biblical 
like, you know, historically biblical, we see a lot of that kind of movement happening. You know, the prophets, hey, I'm going to give you this word. And I guess if you want to like go set your poop on fire, you can do that. Like that's your deal. If that's how you want to share the word with other people, but I'm going to give you this word. If you want to put a coal on your lips, you go for it, man. Like yeah. whatever you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> so Aaron, um, I was wondering, and if, if this question is like, is like, too personal. Just let me know, and we can uh, we can cut it out. Um, but uh, speaking to both what you just said and um, what you were saying earlier about um, kind of making a routine uh, have some heart to it, um, I think that for for like our generation, like anytime repetition and routine gets brought up, there's always this like danger that it be misinterpreted as legalism. Um, I think like we, we bucked against the idea of making our faith into routine because it seemed like it could hinder like an organic relationship, like, like Blake was talking about, um, that those guardrails could hinder like an organic expression of faith. Um, checklists made us feel like our faith was like a homework assignment. I think I've been burned out on way too many desiring God articles that were like, well, the reason that you're struggling with this is because you haven't been reading your Bible for 40 minutes a weekend. What? This is coming from a Presbyterian. Um, <laughs> but so like how, uh, what I was kind of wondering is um, you've been doing the, the liturgy thing like longer than any of us have. Was there a point uh, when maybe you started doing the liturgy thing or maybe like midway through where that kind of started to like become a temptation of like the routine becoming rote. And if that did happen, how did you like get out of that into where you are now? Yeah, no, that's, that's not too personal for me. I think that, you know, I, the liter like any, like the church calendar from an, uh, from a Christian perspective that has roots in Jewish tradition in Jewish calendars. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that this is how God has, almost created some of us in that, Hey, I, I want to move you from like rejoicing to repenting to a preparation period. Like these are, these are the natural rhythms. Like I, I set up the world in a rhythm. We have season, we have days, we have weeks, you know, I think these things are so crucial to like who we are, who we were created to be because I think, I think they help move us through life in a way that is different than if we just didn't mark time. You know, like people in the Old Testament are always like, let's put a rock down here so we can remember what happened here. Like, and let's name it something crazy and weird. And so I think like, to me, that's the same thing we're doing here. We're saying, okay, well, last Advent, here's where I was. Here, last Lent, here's where I was. Here's where I were 10 10, you know, whatever, 10 years ago. And I'm, and I'm just marking time in a way that God has set up the world to do. Mm -hmm. And so for me, there wasn't ever the temptation for it to be legal, like legalistic. I am probably not legalistic enough. <laughs> That's probably my deal is that I'm like, look, God has given us this way to live. And, and yes, I take what Jesus says very seriously about like, Hey, if you're going to pray, go to your closet and do it. Hey, don't like other, don't let other people know that you're fasting, like get your face right essentially. And so I like, I take that really seriously. 
not that other people don't, but I want, I always want to kind of like, I feel alive when I'm adhering to these routines and rhythms. I feel a connection with God in this place in a way that I didn't when it was like, I guess read Oswald Chambers. I don't know. Like try that for a few weeks and see if it sticks, which there's nothing wrong with that. And again, I think we're all different and we all kind of connect in the same way, but I love doing that. And to the point where I just, I don't, I'm not sure for me personally, maybe it could, I could be wrong. Like maybe I'm living a legalistic life right now, but I, I, I really do find so much connection with God in those moments that to me, it's just, I find myself being like retroactively legalistic about it. And like you, well, when you were, when you were doing this before you learned about personal liturgy or, you know, personal, you know, spiritual routines, you were just doing it to check a box. That's the only, like literally you had literally Lifeway made you a checklist and not to poop on Lifeway. I've worked for them. I love them. I know many people there and I love them, but you know, there's, this was, this was not because you wanted to have connection with God is because you wanted to make sure that the boy in your youth group knew that you were spiritual. And so that to me is, is it's a totally different feel for me. And again, probably not for everyone. It's a totally different feel for me to wake up and do the hours or go to bed and do the hours or wake up and do Lectio or whatever than it ever was when I was just throwing darts at the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, um, I, I, I was a lot the, the same way for a while is like the, um, I had that big, like legalistic mindset, especially when I joined the like reformed community at first, um, that just like was a temptation that was like really, really easy to just make your way on scooting into. Um, but I, I think it is like, dear listener, if you are listening to this episode and you're like, huh, well, my brain's kind of like my brain kind of like structure a lot. I wonder if I could like give liturgy a try. Just like it, I think Aaron is a uh, perfect representation of the fact that like it can be done with like a, a, a heart that still has like organic passion for, for God. Mm-hmm. The, the man isn't going to get you down when you start doing Advent guides and, and Lent guides. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I mean, even like in the Baptist tradition, it's not like it is foreign to the tradition, Charles Spurgeon morning. I don't want to call it that. Yeah. Well, I mean, Martin Luther talks about like, I can't, I, I can't even, I got to pray for three hours before I get out of bed. And you're like, that seems excessive, but also I get it. So I, I think there's roots in this. It's just, it's almost like it's taken a different language and vocabulary, depending on what you're rooted in. essentially. Yeah. yeah and like okay. you said, I mean, if you read, Hebrew Old Testament, it is just countless things of God saying, you need to remember this. Let's make a feast yeah. for you to remember this. Let's make it where you just have this rhythm of remembering this. Put Otherwise, yeah. Put up some rocks. Let's do it. Yeah. Blake, yeah. go ahead. I think it was uh, Jonathan Martin was, I don't know exactly the quote, but it was like, whatever expression you grew up in, you might find something new and you might find God in that, but that doesn't make whatever you grew up in like worthless. Like people Thank still... God find God in, in, in a, a quiet time or in liturgy. If you grew up with that, just because you experience something new doesn't negate the fact that, you know, God can, God's not in just the th- one little box of how you approach him. He could be in multiple expressions and forms. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
So now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the ad zone because uh, we, speaking of the church calendar, speaking of uh, bringing liturgy home, Aaron has the perfect way that y'all can do that at home. Aaron, I would love for you to tell us about this year's Lent Guide. I would love to. That's so nice. So uh, this year, Lent starts on February 17th. Um, and basically what we're doing this year in my Lent Guide is we're walking through the Sermon on the Mount. It's called Memento Mori. Last year we went through Ecclesiastes. Tough hang for the beginning of the pandemic. Really tough. <laughs> uh, was not prepared for that. But um, this year we're doing the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, you know, Lent is this like, to me, it's this anticipation. It's like a, a preparation series because on the church calendar, you've got Lent for 40 days, then you've got Holy Week, and then you've got Easter, which growing up Southern Baptist was like, let's get our ham, let's get our white patent leather shoes, let's get our eggs, and Easter's done on Sunday. Mm-hmm. In in the church calendar, Easter's 50 days long. Yo. So it's like, you're like, you're, you're marathoning preparation so that you can have a marathon of joy for 50 days. Um, so that is... It's this time of repentance and prayer and kind of uh, you're fasting, you're feasting on something. You are, you know, we're we're focusing on justice for others, this type of thing. And so um, memento more is a Latin phrase, which really upliftingly means remember that you need you're going to die one day. And so but that is the opening lines of Lent. You know, when you go to your Ash Wednesday service and your priest takes the palms from last year that he's now burned in a in a pit fire and puts them on your forehead. And he says, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. And what does it mean to, to walk around with the knowledge of your death, how does that impact your life? Well, Jesus gave us a really great sermon <laughs> that uh, on, on the side of the hill that talks about what our lives should look like and what we're going to encounter as we as we walk through life, remembering that we're going to die. And what does that mean? How do we, what is that? How does that affect our life? So that's what we're talking about. Um, it doesn't sound like a good time, but, um, and, and it's not like a great time, but it's a rich time. It's, um, it's so meaningful to me. I love Lent because of, it just feels like pulling back the slingshot and then Easter is like, we're letting it go. And how far did you pull it back? That's how much, that's how great this is going to be. So, um, that is, that's kind of what we do. And uh, I have a, a private group, not on Facebook, because I hate Facebook. Mm-hmm. And I don't like Mark Zuckerberg either. So <clears throat> even though I'm on Instagram, it's fine. But um, they, so anyway, we just kind of, we get together a few days a week. We're praying for each other. We are encouraging one another. We're walking through the Sermon on the Mount. And it's just, and I think this year it's especially prescient just because there are, so many churches aren't meeting right now and aren't able to meet in person. And that has really made so many of us feel so disconnected while we're trying to look out for, you know, vulnerable communities and trying to make sure we're not spreading the pandemic everywhere. So um, that's why I'm really excited about the community this year, because we've been so disconnected. And I'm hopeful that a lot of people and so many people have told me like, 
I stopped going to church. Like I've stopped doing online church. Online church for my family in particular is a disaster because we have a three-year-old and he is like, this is, this is not, uh, this is not PJ masks. So I don't know why we're watching them. Um, If we ever ever get this child back in church, it'll be a miracle. But I just, I think it's, it's, it's the people that end up coming to like these devotional groups that I do, they are so curious and they're so honest and uh, they're doubters. They're, they're not, they don't have it all figured out. And that's what I love about them. And they're very vulnerable about that. And it's private. So you don't have to worry about like your mother-in-law reading it and seeing all your secrets or whatever. So I, that's what we're doing for Lent this year. That's probably more information than you really wanted to know. Yeah. And if you, if you aren't like, this is, way new to you you have a, a lint primer right with the that's right yeah and it just goes through like hey what what is this again like what are we doing <laughs> also i've never done the church calendar i don't know anything about it there's all that information there i'm gonna help you figure out how what you need to fast from or what you should fast from or what you should feast on and ideas for justice for others and all of that sort of thing so it kind of gives you like a good base ground knowledge to figure out what this exactly is. Oh, so it's kind of like the, uh, what, what was the name of the service that tells you what everything in the service is? It's like an instructive Eucharist. <laughs> exactly like that. That's exactly what it is. You got it. Where can, uh, so, where can folks uh, procure this bad boy? You can find it at erinhmoon.com slash shop. And I'll give y'all a code. <gasps> Ooh. That's right. A 15, code. That's right. 15% off with the code FUTURE. Oh, what? That's lovely. Just for you guys. That's awesome. I will yeah. say, Jen and I did participate last year in every broken thing. Um, we made it, maybe day 17, maybe is how far we made That's it. Pretty then, good. That's then good. Kind of, yeah, it was, but it was, I will ask, will there be footnotes in Memento Mori? Always. There's oh always my God. Footnotes. The footnotes. If, if, if not for any other reason that we said today, you need <laughs> to get this. For the footnotes alone, so I, lo- I love a good footnote. So we're not, oh, wait, are we talking like? Are we talking like? Uh, like David like references to other works, or are we talking like asides? We're talking asides. We're talking about Chuck Klosterman's. We're talking about David Foster Wallace's. The whole thing. I love yeah. it. I love that. That's awesome. Um, Blake Tanner, you guys got anything else? Um, whenever I come visit Blake, Blake, I'm not going to sexy church. I'm. Well, y'all are doing it online, Aaron. Never mind. I was going to go to the it's okay. <laughs> well, you can still go. My church is currently meeting. You have to have a reservation because we only have a certain amount of things. So you can still go if you want to go. All right, Blake, you heard it. Okay. Too bad, Blake. <laughs> I completely, I completely almost forgot this, by the way. And we're we're trialing this, Aaron. You are the first one we're ever going to ask this question to. Listen, I love, I love jumping off a cliff. Let's. <laughs> the first of many. Uh, so uh, the question is, Aaron, because we are the the Future Family Podcast, and our kind of mission statement is like treat every every other believer now. Um, with the knowledge that one day we'll all be family in the future. Uh, we're really thinking about like new creation and everything. So Aaron, what's like one thing you're looking forward to in the new creation? And if you need some examples, uh, we can tell you what ours were in the last episode we just recorded of varying flavors. Um, <laughs> yeah. Varying flavors. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I am? I'm really excited this is probably actually not going to happen. This is not uh, scripturally backed up at all. But in my dreams, 
when you get to the new, when you get to heaven, they take you into a room. It's a very fancy room. And they like minority report your whole life for you. And you get to watch like all of the things that almost happened to you. All of the car crashes that almost happened that you narrowly missed because you have to be late. Like all of the ways that God like switched your path and directed you in different places. And it's a whole minority report and the pre-cars come out and it's the whole thing. And so that is what I'm really excited about. I also probably think that there has to be some sort of like a pastry bush like, <laughs> yes, a, like a yeah. bush or something like that that's mm-hmm. that's my hope those those are not in scripture anywhere awesome. but yeah. those are in my heart i want them. <laughs> i think that's exactly the vibe we yeah. were going for good yeah. okay <laughs> not anything actually <laughs> real that's good yeah, was was the minority was that a was that a subplot of the good place i'm trying to think about was it whether or not that was featured did, did, they, did they like show people how many times they almost died or something that's incredible. Oh, maybe. I bet they did. I Man, I love Minority Report. Yeah. It was such a great movie. No, I'm just picturing Aaron seeing all of the bloopers she has from like Wet Hair Friday. Just playing <laughs> over and over. <laughs> There's too many. There's too many. Oh, that's that's so good. That's so good. God's going to be like, here's how many times you almost died looking at a dog while you were driving. Yes. <laughs> you can see it fills up the whole screen. <laughs> so many. Okay. Yeah. Um, Tanner, Blake, would you guys like to talk about t-shirts and website? We have a website. We have a t-shirt thing on there. Go do it. Word. <laughs> What's that website? That's good. That's good marketing, Tanner. I think you can. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you want to go do it, go do it. If not, we'll do it. <laughs> don't worry about it. I can't make you. I can't make you. Yeah. Well, um, uh, Blake. Aaron, thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Thank it's you so much fun. for having us. It's been fun. <laughs> Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Future Family Podcast. And if you enjoyed it, share it with somebody. Better yet, have a dialogue with someone about the topics we discussed today. Rate, review, subscribe. And as always, keep the conversation going and the foyer coffee flowing. All that said, we are your future Family. 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 Beautiful. Family. Everybody. <laughs> we never cue that one. I'm just going to take them all in garage yeah. band and just kind of like move them all, okay. move them all to where they were. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's fantastic. All right. oh, thank you all so much. This was a fun conversation.